morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh man, I totally didn't think about this. Um, Okay, what am I thankful for? I am thankful for... Hanging out with my sister last night. I had a really fantastic time. We ate food with rice and guacamole and stuff. And um, I played a bunch of guitar. So, yeah, super thankful. Praise God. Cool. Good times. Yeah, what are you thankful big, for? Big shout out for uh, Lawson's <laughs> sister yeah, this morning. Shout out, Maddie. She just got married Family. recently. Yep. So, so I was hanging out with her and her, her new husband at their place. And it was, yeah, it was a good time. Fantastic. I was hanging out with my family last night too. Oh, nice. Whole family nice. was there, boys were there, father-in-law was there. Best evening ever. Oh. I think we both should be thankful for opportunities to hang out with family this morning. Mm, 100%. 100%. Well, do you want to... a game of Rickety Kate. What is that? <laughs> What's a Rickety Kate? I will have to introduce you to Rickety Kate one of these days. Okay. But anyway, um, probably right not, not right now. It won't really work for radio. Mm. I got to say, though, on Sunday at Thanksgiving, I know I said I was thankful for this yesterday, but on Sunday at Thanksgiving, we played probably one of the best games of croquet that I've ever played in my life. Ah, croquet in the backyard. Great Fourth uh, yeah. of July tradition but in the United States that we have adopted for Thanksgiving in Australia. But unfortunately, like it came down to the wire. It was me and me and Harley against Shell and Lyle and the veterans won. Oh, I was terrible. I was so salty. I was like, <laughs> I was so twisted up. I was like, Are you for real right now? <laughs> This is a reminder, you're listening to the Delayed Broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. We have um, a whole bunch of news stories coming up, particularly yeah. because we don't have uh, news today. We will have it on again tomorrow, God willing. Mm. Um but um, yeah, that's, uh, that's we, we're going to be talking about. <laughs> we're going to be talking about typhoon in the Philippines. We're going to be talking about uh, events right here in the local Hunter region um, that has been in the news for like the last fifteen years. We're going to be talking about yeah, all kinds of stuff. That's right. This is Francesca Battistelli. Go tell it on the map. Over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is born While shepherds kept their watching Or sight Shown a holy light 
That was Francesca, Francesca Battistelli here with Go To It, Tell It on the Mountain. You're listening to Faith FM. Lawson, give us the first clue for our quiz. Okay, who am I? I'm Lawson. Mm. Who is this person that I'm about to read clues about on the card? Are you ready? I am ready. I think you might get this one. This is this is this is a pretty pretty good one. Okay. I was told you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. Mm, I'm gonna think on that one. Oh, I'm going to probably try and write something down while Lawson is doing his positively he was told different news. That. For me, anyway, I'm like, I, I, I know, I've like, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible, so I'm like, oh, I know what's up. Um, but let's, uh, let's, let's read some positively different news, and of course, it wouldn't be positively different news in the morning with Lawson without talking about some kind of thing that leads to the promotion of a plant-based lifestyle and a plant-based diet. That's what we do here. Welcome to Faith FM. Sitting here with his New Start t-shirt on. Oh, yeah. By the way, I'm going to go work in the juice bar. I'm super thankful for that, actually, that I get to to work in the juice bar. So, uh, directly after this, as soon as I finish, out the door, in the car, up to Raymond Terrace, cutting up fruit, preparing to sell people juices, which they so desperately need. Like, juice is just the best thing ever. Particularly during a hot summer like this. You need smoothies. You need them. So, if you're in the area, please come to New Start Juice. But yes, another thing that's happening around the world that's healthy and great for the environment and great for your body is that a South African-based entrepreneur entrepreneur, has invented a bowl that you can eat with your meal. Okay. Read the whole thing. Yeah. So basically this this bowl it's called Now I thought these had been invented before. Yes, but never on like a corporate scale. Always it's been like this this idea of like you know, people have created like little bowls that you can eat, but that they're not actually practical. It's like, you know, you kind of like, uh, particularly when it comes to, like Mexican food, you put your stuff in it. Yeah, and yeah I'm it thinking just, of, like, I'm thinking of Mexican food, like some bean thing. And it's just like this kind of bowl shape and you put yeah. beans in it and then you eat the whole thing. No, but this is the difference though. This is the diff while is that these particular bowls are like, you know, vegan wheat based bowls, similar in that way, but then they can hold meals for like up to six hours and, you know, like so you can put them in the fridge like it, it can have hot soup in it for like six hours and so imagine like cold soup would be more because hot soup hot things erode things quicker um and it has a shelf life of up to 15 15 months like this is like a legit solution like this is a but not only is it so vegan, no more of those paper party plates exactly that's the whole point and and not only is it's it like, like you finish your meal it's like there's a whole bunch of plates left over rather than throwing them in the rubbish it's like okay everybody eat your plate this is the thing you either throw them in or because they're made out of wheat you just kind of throw them to the side they're biodegradable they're completely so you turn them into compost or feed them to your dog or your cow exactly for your horse. It's the circle of life, Lyle. It's, it's the cycle of nature perfectly perfected. Um, with things- no, I just want to have one of these, a uh, whole set of these at a party. And at the end of the party, I'm like, okay, everybody quick. We need to clean up. Start eating your plates. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the best ever. People are going to look at me like, what? And then I just start eating my plate and people will be like, what? Mm. Oh, obviously, this is in response to, um, you know, the terrible you know, plastic epidemic that we're having yes. at the moment, you yes. know, um, with straws and bowls what is and cups drink a, and plastic Drink a full bags. credit card of water every... Credit card's worth of plastic in your water every week or something or other that these days? That is wild. Yeah. Like, I don't want that many credit cards no. inside of me, Lyle. And, um, yeah, so this is just an amazing thing that, that someone's doing. And, um, it was actually started by a, a woman named uh, Georgina de Kook, which is a interesting South African name. Um, yeah, based out of Cape Town. And, and she, you know, is just very much a kind of like a hippie greenie lady who worked at food markets and was like, you know, all the plastic waste uh, wastage is really terrible and we need to do something about this. And so they have. Um, and, um, and yeah, you know, at the moment um, they only have like one machine making these bowls, but they're, you know, uh, planning to extend and to expand. And, um, but like one machine can make about 500 bowls per hour. And so, you know, if you have... 10 times, you know, 500, you could have 
is that 50,000 bowls in an hour if you had 10 of these machines? Something like that. Yeah, you're, so you're, fi- you're the mathematician, but fi- it sounds good to me. 50,000 bowls in an hour, you know, just pumping them out. Um, obviously, yeah, and th- but that would be small scale, you know. Yeah, like, that's right. Like, and that's the thing. I, I feel like this is the kind of thing, this is, you know, being like very much a, a startup, very much, you know, entrepreneurial. I think that some big company, some coal, some woolly, some, someone out there, some bread company, that would be perfect, just needs to take a hold of this. Wonder White just needs to take a hold of this and just make a bunch of machines that can smash out these bowls so we can have biodegradable bowls and everyone can be happy and the environment can be happy and we can be healthy and vegan and everything will be good. Okay, so I have to tell you something about, uh, you know, edible products. Oh, yeah. Um, I just... Piece of trivia for you. Um, I collect number plates. I'm a number plate Uh collector. I have uh, an international collection of number plates. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the interesting countries to collect number plates from is the United States because they change their number plates all the time. They have very, very decorative number plates, very, very interesting. And I've been trying to, you know, collect all, all, all my state, all my United States states, you know, Canada, Mexico, places like that. But wherever I travel, I always try and always carry a screwdriver with me when I travel internationally and uh, collect number plates wherever I can. You know, I want to, that's, that's the souvenir that I chase <laughs> down. Uh, bought one back from Ethiopia when we were there, which was a, uh, a donkey chariot number plate, which I'm super excited about. That is epic. It was the most epic plate in my entire collection. Um, however, there is a very, very rare plate in the United States that I have wanted to have for a very, very long time. Um, in one state only, the state of Illinois, for a period of eight years only, uh, starting in 1943, they created number plates made from soybeans. And, of course, because they're made from soybeans, they don't have the same lasting ability as, you know, your steel or your aluminium ones. Yeah, and so they are as rare as hen's teeth. They're basically like gluten steak number plates. And they stopped making these number plates because <laughs> livestock were eating them off of cars. <laughs> 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 livestock figured out they could eat these number plates and they started to get eaten. So anyway, I've been after a soybean plate for a long time. My father-in-law came over from the States and brought with him a full set, all eight years, all matching numbers of Illinois soybean licence plates. So there okay, you go. This I is, don't know why that's important to share on Faith FM, but it's super cool. This is the real question. Since you have a whole set, for me anyway, I, I'm not the most overly sentimental person. No, so you're, not. You're, would, not, you're not sentimental at all. I would be very... Uninterested. Very tempted to cook <laughs> one of them up. <laughs> like, to, if it's if it's made out of soybeans, like, come on. Yeah, let's, let's just cook one of them up. Let's just fry I'll, it up. I'll, I'll, I'll sell you the full set. For oh, a no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have two stories that I wanted to share, two different ones. I was either going to share one or the other. One's like cool and heartwarming. The other one's a bit controversial. Okay. The other one's a bit political, bit political controversial. Not in like political controversial that you'd expect. I think I'm going to share this one. Okay, are you ready? Mm-hmm. So, officials in Zambia... Zambia, the African country. Yes. Um, well, have, wasn't, wasn't confused about that. Okay. They've come together to, you know, officials, government officials have united to halt mining permits in pristine wilderness in Africa. So they've made a concerted okay. effort. They've said, okay, we don't want to ruin the landscape here. So we're going to stop giving people mining permits. Cool. This is interesting. The exact opposite. Of what happens in Australia. Mm-hmm. This is like pretty much the exact opposite. And we're having a... Can I say something cynical? Ooh, here we go. Yep. Here <laughs> comes a cynical statement. Probably because Zambia's figured out they can make more money out of tourism in their wilderness areas than they can out of mining. Mm. So that's money, a, money does tend to drive things. That is a very good point. That, that's a fantastic point. point. <laughs> but... You have to put that in counterbalance with, you know, the devastating, you know, ecological effects that are happening because of the mining industry. And we're seeing, you know, you know the, the bleaching of the Barrier Reef and just all this terrible stuff. Uh, yeah. Well, it is a connection, but it's a... 
It's a bit of a roundabout connection, really. Yeah. Because it has to be mined and then it has to be shipped to China and then China has to burn it and then it has to create greenhouse gases, which then has to create global warming, which then has to... Let's just say <laughs> I'm correct and we should think yeah. about this. We should think about this going forward. This is Melissa Otto. Welcome back, everybody. That was Melissa Rotto with Stranger Here. You're listening to Faith FM as we are about to have another clue for our quiz. What have you got for us there, Lawson? <clears throat> Who am I? Mm. I said, your money, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. <sighs> and Lyle has a correct... So there's no double prizes up for grabs today. Hashtag blame Lyle. It's trending on Twitter. Give us a call. 1-800-324-843. But you, you still can win a prize. Just not two prizes. And that's because Lyle had to go and take it the quiz. from us. All right. Classic. Right here in the Hunter Valley, Roman Catholic brother Bernard McGrath has been jailed for 53 years. He won't be released until he is 106 years old. Um, he was the head of the Kendall what? Grange Hunter House of Evil. Okay, I'm this. This is wild. Okay, so a Catholic priest. Yes, that's where we started. Yes, was jailed for fifty three years. Fifty three years, and he was part of the House of Evil. Well, Kendall Grange was uh, became known as the uh, Hunter House of Evil. Um, this was a special reform school for uh, troubled boys. And so basically this was where you would have, you know, boys sent who were struggling in school. Now, they might be struggling for a range of different reasons. Mm-hmm. They might be struggling because, you know, bad family life at home, acting out at school, getting into trouble. People would send them there. It was, you know, kind of like a reform school environment. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be struggling for intellectual disabilities or other disabilities that might be holding them back, etc. And so it was basically a 
boarding school, a reform boarding school. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, um, <coughs> this uh, Bernard McGrath is just one of eight from a pedophile ring that was operating out of this particular school. Wow, that's um, terrible. He belonged to the St. John of God Brothers and who have the highest rate of uh, accusation or conviction of any organization on the planet, four out of ten. That is really dumb. I'm... Yeah, it's pretty scary when you stop and think about it. Um, and so basically... What was happening was that these guys had identified that the safest place to abuse kids was a reform school because abused kids, of course, you know, they act out. Mm-hmm. Uh, when a kid starts to be abused, their behavior goes down, you know, down the drain mm-hmm. very, very rapidly. And they could cover that. And, and of course, they could cover the fact that the kids are acting out by the fact that these are troubled kids yeah. already. Yeah, and then if the kids started to make accusations, it's just like don't take any notice. The kids they come from this kind of background or that kind of background. We've got all this. We've got a, a long list of documented trouble that we've had with these kids, and mm. so these guys were pretty well protected there for a long time, even though the Roman Catholic Church knew exactly what was going on. And you might think that I get on here a bit and I pick on the Roman Catholic Church. I don't just report on Roman Catholic stories in relationship to institutional pedophilia. It's just that these are the guys that are in the news all the time because this is the institution that has uh, the confessional and has celibacy, which the Royal Commission has identified as two of the biggest problems that they need to address and that Pope Francis is refusing to address. You know, you think of four out of ten of these uh, St. John of God uh, brothers, that's, you know, 40%. That's a massive percentage of uh, of people, you can look at the Anglican Church mm. and the percentage of Anglican clergy that are accused of you know. And I understand that you know this is one area of the Roman Catholic Church, but you know Anglican Church who clergy have been accused is zero point five percent. It's about half that of the general population. Mm. And you know, it's a figure that is just absolutely. Astounding when you think about it. This is the fourth conv- conviction that he's had since 1993 when he was first jailed uh, in New Zealand before being uh, sent back to Australia to continue his uh, various sentences over here. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the facts of the case. This uh, Bernard McGrath was sent to the Hunter Valley uh, Kendall Grange uh, Reform School, I guess you would call it, um, in 1978, after he was reported in New Zealand for abusing uh, children as a part of the St. John of God uh, teaching system over there. So he was reported for abusing, and it's like, okay, we need to solve this problem. This guy is abusing kids. Uh, let's send him out of the country. Because if you send him to another country, then, you know, the whole he's less likely to go to jail for you know legal process, all that kind of thing. Mm. And this, of course, was endemic within the... Um, well, across a lot of religions, I guess, back in the 1970s. But, you know, the simple reality is the Roman Catholic Church just can't stay out of the news on this one. And they need to come up to 2019 or nearly 2020 and get rid of some of these medieval traditions that have nothing to do with Christianity and nothing to do with Bible. They are just traditions, and mm. I'm not against Traditions. Traditions are great. All churches have their traditions, but when traditions have been shown to produce evil results, then you just need to get rid of those traditions. And I can't see why it is so hard. Mm. You know, particularly in a church that has a pope. Yeah, now, this is not this is not a democracy. You don't have to get the majority of the world to vote in favor of this. You just have to write a papal bull, and the thing is done. Mm. Just solve the problem. Stroke of a signature. Um, and so, yeah, the, the Catholic Church knew about this from at the very least from 1978 to 1993 and did nothing about it. Mm. Um, and uh, altogether he was uh, in prison for, I think it was either 8 or 12 um, abuse charges out of that stuck out of 250 charges that were laid against him. And which does 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 go to show just how difficult it is to get a conviction in um, in these particular cases, 
and uh, what a horrific, horrific tragedy yeah. um, that, they, that this, oh, this took place. It's just the most detestable thing ever. Like, And they call themselves like the St. John of God. Yeah, it's such like, a great name. Oh, it's such a... Like, it's, anyway, I need yeah, to move on. Let, let's move on. Let's, yeah, let's... More than Let's get out of this. more than half sixteen to seventeen year olds are not getting enough. Are you not getting enough sleep, Lawson? Oh. You're a little bit older than that. Yeah, um, not. which is resulting in dramatically increased anxiety and depression. So we're facing a pandemic of anxiety and depression amongst teenagers, mm. and one of the biggest causes is lack of sleep. Wow! Um, so more than half. Um, 16 to 17 year olds not getting uh, enough sleep. That's after uh, research covering 10,000 uh, teenagers across Australia. Uh, they found that children under the age of 11 do better because you have parents out there that are enforcing a bedtime rule. Mm. Um, when you come to the 12 to 15 year old age bracket where kids are having a little bit more discretion as when they choose to go to bed, it's about a quarter are not getting enough sleep. And... Um, the other, the, the interesting thing was that, uh, was the, the observable difference between those who weren't getting enough sleep and those who were getting enough sleep was those who were not getting enough sleep were spending, um, two hours or more a day connected to the internet. Mm. So the biggest predictor of not getting enough sleep was the time that you spent on screens. Oh, fully. And so for me, I try. I'm my, my goal. My aim is to get my screen time, you know, on my uh, mobile devices and etc. To down to less than two hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I achieve it, and sometimes I don't. But it's usually around that two hour mark. But here you're talking about two hours per day. Yeah. So that's the biggest predictor for not enough sleep. The second biggest predictor, of course, is the use of uh, caffeine. Mm. Um, and, and, and of course, you know, that caffeine problem extends across adults as well. They're called energy drinks. They're not actually energy drinks. They don't actually give you energy. Um, you have X amount of energy in your, in your body. They just make you feel like you have more energy. Probably. Um, and so, yeah, terrible idea. Both of those things, um, we need to cut down on our screen time and get rid of those energy drinks um, out of the entire system. One last story very quickly. Category three typhoon is, typhoon is about to hit the Philippines and this will be the 20th typhoon this year. 200,000 people have been evacuated. Uh, they're predicting three-meter storm surges and the biennial Asian Games have suspended the windsurfing competition. <laughs> I wonder why. I reckon this would be the best conditions. Be, you'd have the they might end up the in jumps. Australia. <laughs> How did you wild. get here? I came here by windsurfer during a typhoon. Yeah, we need to be praying for uh, the Philippines at this time. Uh, we're going to move on. This is uh, Reggie Smith with I Have Fixed My Mind. You're listening to Faith FM. I have fixed my mind on another time, on another time. And here I mean to stand until God gives me more light. And that is Today, 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 until he comes, I have fixed my mind on another time, on another time. I have set my on the narrow way, on the narrow way, for I know the time is close at hand, for which I watch and pray, and that is today, today, 
have set my course on the narrow way, on the narrow way. Even so. Reggie Smith with I Have Fixed My Mind. You'll listen to Faith FM. Lawson, give us another clue for our quiz. Nobody's got this one yet, so get ready to give us a call. 1-800-324-843. Who am I? I was the main speaker at Pentecost. Okay. Who was that person? That's right. If you know the answer, you know the number to get call us. 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. Well, joining us on the phone this morning is Barand Neustraten. Barand, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lyle. Now, Barand, you've been a regular on the program uh, throughout the last uh, year or year and a half or so, uh, talking about uh, the Genesis story. Um, we have worked our way through those early chapters of uh, Genesis, dealing with, uh, obviously, the creation of the world, um, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. Where does the story take us next? Yeah, it develops, of course, into the uh, misconduct of mankind, the, uh, the the tragedy of the violence that grew and uh, in intensity to such a degree that God made a decision that uh, he would destroy the then-known world. And uh, that was, of course, a tremendous tragedy. Now, as we're working through 
this these these chapters here, you know, the uh, the average person who sits down to read their Bible and is like, yeah, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna find out what this book is all about. Um, you know, they get those first through those first few chapters of Genesis, which tells the uh, story of creation and fall, and then they hit a uh, a whole bunch of genealogies. Um, are those genealogies telling us anything interesting, or are they just there as a uh, I guess a, a side thought? They're fascinating. It indicates that mankind was superior to current uh, the forms of uh, of Homo sapiens, which is us. It is interesting that the longativity stands out in the first and foremost place, and uh, the uh, multiplication must have been tremendous uh, during the years. As you know, there was some fifteen and a half centuries uh, between creation and the occurrence of the flood. And when you consider the longativity and the capacity and uh, no doubt also the superior intellect of early men, uh, you stand in awe of what happened, actually. Uh, the genealogies are very important. They're a bit boring, but they're very fascinating when you really look into it. Now, there are two genealogies, really, in many ways, that uh, stretch through that um, through those chapters, what's that all about? Yeah, the, it's interesting that when you look at the uh, the, the, the the genealogies, is that um, uh, there are comparisons by the names of the uh, of the, the, the descendancies there of Cain, of course, and the, the descendancy particularly of Seth. Um, they must have known each other, interacted, uh, and clearly in the beginning of chapter six. Of the book of Genesis, it, 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 it does indicate there in the first verse that the sons of God uh, saw the daughters of man. So there was an attraction between the descendants of Seth and the descendants of Cain. Okay, I want to come back and talk about that. That's going to be a very interesting discussion we're about to have. Before we do, uh, what kind of lifespans are we talking about um, in these genealogies? Well, we be looking at a variation, but basically around the late 800s, early 900 years of duration of human life. Is it reasonable to believe in a lifespan of human beings, you know, for that length of time? Yes, as they came forth from the hand of God, there was a superiority of uh, of, of the physical status of the, of the man. Uh, they were meant to live forever. The other thing that I would say would have played a significant role uh, besides the stronger genes, obviously, and makeup, the physical makeup of man. A superior food would also be a contributing factor, plus the fact that cosmic radiation today that uh, that we endure as people, particularly since or after the flood, uh, also has a way of shortening life. And then there is a weakening of the human genome which is recognized uh, by biologists as a fact. And so here, we, even though we have an increased lifespan of the last 100-odd years or the last 200 years, perhaps, uh, because of better medication and care and uh, awareness of nutrition, the fact is that early man was endowed with a vitality that we do not see today. Isn't that the opposite of what you'd expect from an evolutionary model? Yeah, the evolutionary model is defunct in that, that all evidence points really towards longativity. It's not just mankind. If you consider the animal kingdom, uh, the, the, the fossil records find uh, uh, the, the massive uh, forms of life of some of the big herbivores amongst the dinosaurs. And if you consider they came from an egg that is probably no wider than one foot, it is incredible that these animals could... Uh, uh, grow to 40, 50, 60, up to 100 tons. Uh, and we're talking, of course, about the reptiles like the dinosaurs. And that would have taken them a considerable time and hundreds of years. So if it was true for them, it must have been also true for mankind. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Um, Baron, let's come on to this uh, subject of... Uh the sons of God and the daughters of men. We've all heard many, many times that this was uh, evil angels marrying women and having a mixed breed of spirit being human beings called Nephilim. Can you untangle this one for us? Yeah, it's interesting, the misconception there. 
and often used as an explanation why uh, the, 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 the wickedness of uh, man so increased. But, you know, it couldn't be true. Uh, Jesus states very clearly that the, uh, uh, that, that angels do not marry, and you find that in Matthew 22. So that, that's not the case. Uh, the sons of God uh, is not a designation for the angelic host. Uh, it's not used like that. We know that they're mentioned, say, in the book of Job's, and these, of course, are beings that are in charge of other worlds, as the Bible indicates. But the sons of God, Benei Elohim, really means not a descendancy in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. So the descendants of Seth were godly, but then they were attracted by the women and the attractiveness of the Canaanite descendancy. And so uh, that is what happened. Uh, it was a, a marriage uh, between man and man, man and female, not uh, man and, and or female uh, with, uh, with angels. That's not implied in the Bible at all. And really that story of, you know, godly people falling in love with an ungodly person, marrying and then losing their faith, I mean, that's a story that's been told for centuries. Oh, many times. Oh, Absolutely. This happens. It's a, it's a tragedy. And then Paul, uh, the apostle, referred to it as being unequally yoked. And the, 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 the ramifications of that are still today seen uh, around us when that occurs. Okay, so we see the sons of Cain as being the, you know, the descendants in the, in, in, in the post, um, uh, fall era that are, you know, called the, you know, the daughters of men. Um, because of their lack of conversion, yeah. Why, why is it? I mean, Cain himself, after he has you know murdered his brother, which was a terrible, terrible crime, but people have been forgiven yeah. for worse crimes. Did he never Correct. find forgiveness? It would appear that he pursued his, uh, yeah. What shall I say? His intent and what he did. Uh, the tragedy is he might have never, of course, come to a full repentance, and and you would see that in his descendancy. And uh, again, the statement there in the first verse of Genesis six seems to indicate that the wickedness prevailed and and increased tremendously, uh, tremendously. And uh, is that really indicates that there was perhaps no repentance at all on his part or his descendants' part. Okay, so we've come down 16, 1700 years since the fall. Yeah. We have human beings that are living for, you know, 900 years thereabouts. Yeah. That would give you a lot of opportunity to have large families. What was the yeah, potential would... population of the world at that time? It would have been, and that, that's that's a tremendous topic for consideration when God uh, did affect the, the worldwide flood and that only eight people were saved through it. There, there would have been millions of people. There must have been. The uh, the Jewish historian said the second part of the first century AD, Plautius Josephus, uh, indicates, say, for Adam and Eve, that they would have had, well, 36, 38 uh, children uh, one can imagine it would have been high numbers of uh, of offspring, for sure, and that would uh, contribute to a uh, population that must have been in the millions. And really, you know, thirty six or thirty eight children is a low number when you live for you know nine hundred years. Yeah, that is true. Um, and so, how accurate it is, we don't really know. The Bible is relatively silent on the on the the, the, the numbers. But uh, that sons and daughters were born to Adam and Eve to begin with uh, is a fact uh, that is stated in Scripture. And uh, you can only try to imagine the, the, the population growth and the absence of so many diseases because mankind, the, the, the lifespans were so long and, and the constitution, the physical constitution of man would have been so superior than what it is today. Potentially, they could have been reaching a point that we see in nature at times where there is a population explosion then? I, I believe that that would have been the case, must have been, in the absence of the uh, 
of the, the diseases that we know today and the frailty of the human genome uh, that we experience today that would have been absent in the antediluvian world. It's something that we see, you know, even within humanity today, where it took you know nineteen hundred years to get from say two hundred fifty million people through to two billion, but it only took seventy five years to get from two billion to to four billion, and then twenty five years to get from uh, four billion to six yeah. billion, and you know that shortens very very dramatically. Uh, and with those long lifespans and large families, um, you know, after seventeen hundred years they could have been facing yeah. a, a population explosion and, of course, in an environment where they've basically forgotten God or rebelled against God. So you've got a, a, an explosion of evil that is about to swamp the entire planet. Yeah, and the intensity of the evil must have been horrendous. Uh, there wasn't an atheist alive in the end of the living world because... If you had any doubt about God, all you would try to have to do to try to get into the Garden of Eden, which was there right up to the to the time of the flood, and the evidence of presence of angels uh, certainly would uh, affirm your uh, your understanding that there is a God. But they obviously developed a a, a wrong picture or a conception and appreciation of God, and in that that they were rebels. Yeah, that is a different kind of rebellion to what we have now. Uh, we have the benefit, I guess, or the luxury. Um, those are probably the wrong words to use, but of time and, you know, of distance that they yeah. just, you know, they did not have. They were each one could be eyewitnesses of uh, the power of God and, and the Genesis story. That is correct. And and there's no excuse for them to uh, to uh, to. Uh, have the attitude that they had towards God and uh, to divulge in the violence and the wickedness that they did do and perform, uh, which was so renowned. I wonder whether you could comment very quickly. The Bible says that there were giants in the land in those days, and once again people have speculated this was um, spirit beings that were getting married to human beings. We've already noted how that that is impossible. Where did these giants come from? Well, it actually comes from the Septuagint, uh, translated it actually as giants or gigantes, which means we get the word giant from in English. The, the root word is most likely the, the word Nepal, uh, which is really the connotation of violent and rebellious. So it's not really referring, the word Nephilim does not really uh, refer to a size. It, it refers to an attitude, a conduct. So a conduct of violence, a conduct of rebellion. Right. Well, that's uh, something new that I've learned right there. Is it possible that they were physically large as well? Flavius Josephus once again uh, reports that uh, that mankind, the man would have been about 12 feet high and the woman somewhat smaller, perhaps by about 10 feet. So we were actually, uh, as a human race, twice the size. And would that uh, correlate with the fossil record that we have in nature of what the world was like back then? If we look at the animal kingdom, most certainly uh, you can find the comparable species that we know today uh, that were 40, 50, uh, twice the size of the uh, in the antediluvian world than they are today. So there is an affirmation certainly in the, in the fossil records there Whilst there have been found some uh, significant uh, uh, statues amongst, uh, particularly in South America, the Patagonians, they, they found to, up to 10 feet. The reality is there is an absence really of large numbers of antediluvians that would have been uh, fossilized or should have been fossilized. And that has been an intriguing question, uh, why we do not find the what the much larger, the much taller uh, antediluvian people. But I dare say that God buried the most, that which was most wicked. And uh, that is the only explanation that you could give to that. Sure. Barand, we are out of time. We're going to uh, have to come back and talk about this in more detail. Um, yeah, in the new year. We're getting that time of uh, year. Uh, yeah. 
Right now we're going to, this is uh, City Light with Only a Holy God. You're listening to Faith FM.
What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience? A rewarding career? Great employment prospects? When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education, designed for life. Do you enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. drawn to what I could not understand and for the cause of Christ I have spent my days believing what he'd have me be is who I am as I've come to see the weaker side of me I realized His grace is what I need When sin demanded justice for my soul Mercy said, no, I'm not gonna let you go I'm not gonna let you slip away You don't have to be afraid Mercy said, no Take control Life and death stood face to face Darkness trying to steal my heart away Thank you, Jesus Mercy said no To save us from the cross, he built a bridge to set us free. All but deep within our hearts, there is still a war that rages and makes the sacrifice so hard to see. And as midnight fell on crucifixion day. Jesus, remind 